What's up, guys? Welcome back to Faded Truth. Today, I'm so excited to have an awesome creative on the show. You guys have seen him on your TV since the 90s. He's been in Smart Guy. He's been in Drumline, Lottery Ticket, and the newest Showtime series with 4 million views a week, The Shy. I got Jason Weaver on the show. How you feeling? I'm doing great, Angela. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, big fan, like what I was telling you yesterday when we were kind of doing a pre-pro conversation. Um, he watched me. He, he saw the cooking, guys. It was, and he told me it wasn't real. <laughs> nah, nah. She got it. I, I got to hook you up with some real cooking, Angela. Like that, what you were doing, the ready-made meals and shit, that's not... Now I'm going to show you how made, I have to put it together. Now I'm going to show you how to do knife cuts and everything for people out there that I don't, don't know any more knife cuts. Okay. You see my scar from a fucking toxic relationship. I'm good. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh, that's horrible. That's not even from cooking. That's from toxic. <laughs> me, oh. me and guys don't get along. <laughs> now, let, let me find out, Angela, you crazy as cat shit. Let me find <laughs> I used to be, I'm chill now. I don't have the energy to be crazy. I like, hope that's some crazy shit. <laughs> Jesus. No, um, but I, I'll show you some things. Uh, if, if and when we ever get together, I'll show you some different techniques where you could cook like some real shit. I got to come to Hotlanta and eat. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. Anytime. I need to get on the East Coast. All right. So I remember you from Smart Guy. He's a smart guy. So... That was always on my TV. And I always thought you were funny as shit. And you really looked the same pretty much. How, okay. uh, <laughs> how old were you on Smart Guy? Uh, I was 19, 1920. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I know when you started acting, you pretty much started uh, really young because you're on Oprah's Brewster's Place. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? This is my bad. I should probably say this to your viewers. Listen, guys. I didn't send Angela a bio, so she's probably winging it right now with a lot of these questions. Um, but Brewster Place and, and all of those shows, that wasn't like my first gig. I started uh, oh, just- yeah, I have, Well, I have my questions, but they're not on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got them off Wikipedia, but- <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. Wikipedia is really good. But just so I can make it easier for you and your viewers, I'll give them a, a, a brief overview as far as like my career and how I started. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. I'm born and raised. Uh, I got into this business, the entertainment industry at the age of five years old. Initially, I started doing uh, a lot of print ads and commercials and things like that. Um, simply because in Chicago during that time in the 80s, we were known as kind of like a hub for advertising agencies in New York that were building these huge national campaigns. The commercials and the jingles that you would hear surrounding these campaigns, most of them were done here in Chicago by local musicians, local artists, songwriters, producers, actors, singers, the whole nine. So when I first got into the industry, uh, that was my entryway in, into the business. And I was able to uh, kind of easily uh, move into that because my mother and my aunts have a rather extensive and somewhat successful uh, career here in Chicago as jingle singers and background singers for some of the most notable uh, 
names and personalities in music that you could find throughout music history, whether it's like Curtis Mayfield, the Ohio Players, Tyrone Davis, people like that. My mother and my aunts uh, worked alongside with those people for many years. And uh, so it's kind of a natural thing for me to be attracted to the industry because I was always around it myself, my cousins, who have turned out to be uh, hugely successful music producers in their own right. But that's what we grew up in uh, or what we grew up around. And so when I began to express the genuine interest and in wanting to get involved in the entertainment industry and specifically acting, uh, my mother was able to uh, utilize some of the relationships that she already had. By <laughs> the... She knew she was like, my baby going to be a star. I know. <laughs> well, the, the, the cool thing about my mom is that, and especially during that time, it, it wasn't forced. It wasn't forced upon me to do it. This was something that I voluntarily wanted to be involved with. Man, the art of filmmaking and television was just something that I've always been intrigued by since as far back as I can remember. So but like, I think, what's like this, what did you see? What like show, what did you hear that you were like, I want to start? Oh, doing it was, uh, it was Drew Barrymore in E.T. E.T. <laughs> was like one of my favorite movies growing up. And, uh, I saw these kids in E.T. And I was like, when, when it was explained to me that it was make-believe, when my mother explained to me that's what it was, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's what I want to do. I want to, you know, do make-believe. And that pretty much was acting. And so I started off like everybody else. Um, you know, I earned my stripes, I auditioned uh, over and over and over again, got rejected more than I was able to actually book jobs and stuff like that. And it just eventually got to the point where I developed um, the kind of relationship in this town where casting directors trusted me uh, local directors trusted me to do a good job. And I just started working consistently from the age of like six years old until maybe nine when I got my first feature film, which was called A Long Walk Home. And that film starred Whoopi Goldberg and Sissy Spacek. It was about um, two families, a black and a white family that were coexisting or trying to navigate through and around the beginning of the civil rights movement, which was essentially the, the Montgomery bus boycott and like the murder of Emmett Till and all that. But uh, the film was based on those two families. It was a, a critically acclaimed film. Wasn't really commercially successful. Um, it didn't uh, make a lot of money like that, I guess you could say, because it was regarded as somewhat like an independent film, although it was backed by a major studio. It was still like one of those small films, limited screening, the whole nine. But people that were able to see it uh, really appreciated it for uh, what it stood for, what it represented. You know what I mean? Um, immediately after that, I had the honor and the privilege of working alongside with Oprah Winfrey on her show, Booster Place, which was based on um, the popular miniseries that was out at that time which was Women of Brewster Place. Uh, it was a series adaptation of that particular miniseries or movie. And uh, I was cast in that. So I had the opportunity to work with her here in Chicago. 
Okay. So you just told us basically how you started, but I want to get into um, your character on the shy because I okay. know the newest thing that we're doing. So you play Shad and yes. he basically comes out of prison. How many years was he in prison? He was in prison for 10 years. Okay. And I know, so he comes out and then I know um, you were staying with, is it Trig? Trig. Yeah. Trig. And then Imani, you guys had issues at first and then we saw you guys at the end, the last episode, kind of hashing that out, you defending her and all that stuff. Absolutely. So, um, first thing I want to address is with Shad being in prison so long, have you ever been to jail? <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't, I've never been to prison. Have you ever been to prison? <laughs> is that, no, is that, that question? Sorry. Prison. I mean, I've been to jail overnight. Okay. Small infraction, nothing, nothing major. Um, I went through that in my case. Thank God I learned my lesson from that. And I haven't been back to anyone's jail since then. He was in a drunk tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had one of those nights. I was a young okay, man. I've been there. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I live in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I, when, I, when I first like moved to Atlanta uh, and firmly established roots there, I was like in my early 20s and I mean, I was during the heyday, like when you had magic. Yeah, my 20s were fun, were toxic, but fun as fuck. <laughs> yeah, same thing with me. It was it was toxic, but very, very fun. And I uh, some lessons uh, along the way as well. Okay, so I know that uh, when I had, I had Glasses Malone on the show, and he was talking about how hard it is for people that are coming out of prison to get back into mainstream society. Yeah. You know, and he was saying, like, it's just entirely too hard, too many hurdles for people that you want to come back and be normal to be normal. And yeah. so, like, that's why he created his businesses so he could give his friends jobs because he was like, if I can't help my friends out, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And so I wanted to see your viewpoint on, like, how did you get into that character? Because if you never, like, been to prison or isolated, like, how did you get, did you, did you really, like, get into it before you started acting? Like, did you lock yourself in the room? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like, or are you, are you just used to, taking on roles like that? Cause I haven't really. I don't know. No, that's a great question, Angela. To be honest with you, uh, you know, coming from Chicago, being born and raised here, being in the neighborhood. Um, I know plenty of guys uh, who unfortunately have like gone on to prison who, who have an extensive track record in the uh, criminal justice. Uh, and so growing up around those guys and knowing people personally like that on a very close level, you're able to kind of see uh, firsthand what they go through and uh, the obstacles that they encounter and the things that they have to hurdle over upon re-entering into society. Uh, and so, you know, for me, being able to tell that story uh, with the rest of the world and with people that may not be able to relate to it. Um, as, as an artist, um, I was honored to be able to tell it because for me as an artist, I always want to be able to use my gift, my God-given gift to tell the truth and to touch people in a way and whatever I'm a part of, allow it to resonate with them in a personal way where they can um, you know, just relate to it on a real level. And so I was very proud that I was able to take that character, utilize that character 
uh, to tell a story that many of my friends have gone through uh, as young black men and now as older black men, more mature black men, uh, to be able to uh, share that story uh, on a big stage, on a big platform, like what Showtime provides for us. Um, and I'm just glad that people were able to latch on to the story in a way where they just didn't go, oh, see, they're just repeat offenders or, you know, it's recidivism or whatever. Like, they just want to stay in jail. They're, you know, career criminals. It's, it's not like that. A lot of the times when these men and even women, when they're coming out of the system, it's hard to re-enter into society because they have that that asterisk or that that check next to their name. And so for Lena and for her amazing uh, writers team, writers room, uh, to be willing to tell that story uh, to a wide audience and the people who may not be able to relate to that, I just thought that it was really uh, it was really cool on their part to do it. And I was very blessed to be able to, you know, serve as a vehicle, so to speak, to help tell that story. And I hope that people were able and are able to walk away from looking at the shy and learning things. Um, not only just about the black culture and the black experience in America, but just life in general. Because we all go through things in life, you know what I'm saying? No matter what race you are, no matter what color you are. You know, we all have our ups and downs. We all deal with obstacles. We all deal with family issues and family drama, if you will. And I think what the shy is able to successfully do is to present to mainstream audiences, if you will, um, just that that all of us are on the same boat. <laughs> that, you know, on the south side and west side of Chicago, uh, we have as many tools to our advantage to help us get up out of those situations. You right, lack saying? of opportunity. Lack of opportunity, lack of employment, you know what I'm saying? Like think things like that. Uh, even even if, when it boils down to education, which is our youth, I think what the shy is able to successfully convey over to the viewing audience on the show is that um, the Black experience is unique, but not unlike any other experience that's in America. And if we're just given a chance or given an opportunity to show what we're really about, we can excel and rise above just like everyone else. And I think that's what we're able to really, you know, kind of successfully show. We show, you know, the bad part of life, the real shit that goes on with life. But we also show the beauty of life when people are given an opportunity. Man, so I'm so proud to be a part of the show. Uh, proud to be associated with it. I'm proud of my sister, Lena Way for creating and establishing a platform for people like myself and many others to help tell that story. And uh, yeah, I'm very How did happy. you get the role? Like, how did it come about? Uh, well, I, I was called, I was, I was presented with an offer, but prior to that, what a lot of people don't know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, I was with the, the shy when it was just a pilot, before it came on TV, before it was picked up by Showtime. And I played the role of Ronnie. I was cast as Ronnie, who at that time, for people who are familiar with the show, um, Ronnie now, the character that, that is established is older. He's a- Yeah, that was a whole- Very veteran. He, he a whole story. But that character was actually written way younger in, in, in the very beginning. Uh, 
as far as the, the pilot was concerned. But I think that Showtime uh, at that particular time had a different vision for where they wanted to go with the show, for how they felt that it should be presented. Thankfully, Showtime and Hillman Grad and Lena were able to find a happy medium within that and be able to, you know, tell a new story with a new right or new director, new cast members, the whole nine. And it developed uh, legs and, and a consistent viewing audience. And then when the time came for this character that I'm playing shot now to come along, you know, Lena reached back out, which I love her for. She's a real one. And uh, Honestly, the character that I'm playing now is way better and I think um, more appropriate for how I choose to tackle roles as an actor. Um, I think it's it's given me more layers in a in a in a better opportunity as an actor to display uh, versatility, uh, other than what I probably would have been able to display with Ronnie. And so, you know, timing is everything. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm in this role that I'm playing now. I'm working with an amazing cast, uh, everybody from Luke James to Yolanda Ross to, um, to Rolando to, you know, Alex, all of the kids. Just an amazing cast, an amazing writer's room, um, awesome producers. And, uh, and on top of that, the city of Chicago just supports all the work. Right. And you're from Chicago, so it's like... You're living your dream in your hometown, making all this fucking amazing content that's like really positive and things for the world that people need to see, you know? So it's like, can't get any better than that. It's it's right? And you're always happy too. Like, I know you're always happy. Like, but I'm, I mean, I'm home. When you come home to Chicago, then you get love on the street and everybody knows like what you're doing and they're proud of what you're doing. There, there's no greater feeling. I mean, I walk out of this door every day even with a mask on, there's people surprisingly enough that recognize me even behind that. You know, real true blood Chicagoans are like, hey man, respect what you're doing. Like you guys are telling a real story. This is what we're really about. And that just that really warms my heart because I love this city. I love where I'm from and I and I love what what this town stands for and what it represents. So to be a part of helping to tell that story is an honor. Okay. So I want to go back to your character because I know that you said you were portraying a lot of things that are in the community there. And I just know like growing up around the black community that um, a lot of guys that I knew looked at gay, transgender, anything like that as negative as well. And so I know for your character, at first it was like, uh, and then you guys, you know, came together. But I was gonna ask you if you got like any wrath from the LGBTQ community. And then I read something online that said, you said you actually got a lot of positive feedback that you were surprised about after playing that role. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you for asking that, Angela. Um, no, that, that part of the story that we were telling was, was um, really, really important. And it's something that I think we will continue uh, to focus on throughout the course of the show, however, however long it, it continues to go on. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Within the um, within the black community, especially uh, amongst black men in particular, the LGBTQ community um, is not a community that is like easily embraced. And um, I think one of the things that we were able to successfully do 
this past season with the shy is at least set the table to have a conversation and especially amongst one another as black men as it relates to uh, transphobia and homophobia. And what I mean by that is, is that in the past, that wasn't even something that you just put on the table and discuss. That's not something that's just thrust out in, in mid conversation with a black family where we sit down and really talk about it in depth, or at least that that's not how it was in the past. Recently, I think it's become easier to have those conversations as black families, as an overall black community, because there are programs out right now like the shy and maybe a couple others that are presenting that. And um, what I was ple pleasantly surprised about was that upon those episodes airing, there were people in the community, especially when they saw my character having kind of like this standoff reaction to my best friend being in a relationship with a transgender woman, I was automatically expecting the community to kind of uh, support that uh, and to kind of ride with it and <coughs> say, you know, shot is on some real shit because this, this, that, and the other, but, you know, unbeknownst to me, and again, surprisingly, the community was like, yo, man, the way that character's reacting and how he's treating her and how he's being disrespectful towards their relationship that isn't cool. And that's not something that we like to see. And I hope that your character grows up. And <laughs> those things that I was seeing, you know, on social media that I found to be very, very encouraging. It was also like brothers that, that were coming up to me and saying, yo, you know, that may not necessarily be my thing. Um, you know, I may not necessarily live that life, but I, I love the way you guys approach that and telling that story and essentially presenting um, a narrative of uh, unity and community, regardless of uh, whatever someone's sexual preference is or however they choose to love or however, however they choose to live their lives. The one thing that people walked away from that past season was understanding just the importance of community overall and the importance of standing together and the importance of doing anything and everything that we can to rebuild our communities and to bring back hope and economic empowerment. And you know what I'm saying? And being self-sufficient. That's the one thing that Lena consistently focuses on uh, when telling these stories within this show. And another just thing for me personally as a black man, aside from being an actor, which is as a black man who is proud of where I come from, uh, being able to uh, tell those stories in, in a very real way uh, to where we can enlighten people. I'm, I'm just honored. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of this show. And I hope that it continues uh, to go for, for many, many seasons. And I hope what it, what it ultimately does as well is inspire other writers uh, to tell these kinds of stories also. I just really want people to, to feel more comfortable about who they are like and about their lives and, and how they choose to live it because we're all just human beings and you know everyone deserves to be happy I don't I don't care 
I don't care if he's straight, gay, like, man, everybody deserves to be happy and everybody deserves to feel love and to give love. You dig what I'm saying? So now I'm glad that's what our show is able to do and to share with people. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. And y'all can tell y'all really love each other. Oh, we do. You know, like the cast is just like so dynamic with each other. I love it. No, we really, really do. Everybody, I mean, from the first day that I stepped on set, uh, and mind you, I'm just a reoccurring character. I'm not like a series regular on the show. I'm a guy that comes in, you know, in and out. I mean, this season, my role has been beefed up a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm guest cast, essentially. And from the first date I walked on set, I was just embraced by everyone, cast and crew. And I can't thank them enough because it is kind of intimidating to step on set, uh, being the new guy and working with people who already have found their rhythm with one another. Mm-hmm. And then to try to, you know, step on set and bring some kind of new energy or contribute something new. That can be intimidating initially, like, you know, until you actually get on set and you get a feel for yourself as to what you're dealing with. But I can honestly say my first day being here, working with this particular cast, it's just been a blessing from, from beginning, even up until now where we're at. So, yeah. I forgot that you were a singer. Yeah. So I was like, it said that you were a voice of the, the young Lion King. Yeah. And then I didn't realize that I forgot I saw you on the One Call Away video. Yeah. On the fence. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's my shit. So I had to rewatch that video because I haven't watched that shit since I was younger. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but um, so this the the young, what, what part were you singing in Lion King? Just all the songs? Um, anything that had to do with young Simba, I sang all of those songs. Um, yeah, for people out there that, that aren't aware, I was the singing voice of young Simba (laughs) and animated Lion King. So the songs, I just can't wait to be King, Hakuna Matata. Yeah, I sang those songs. And there was, there was one other song that we recorded called Warthog, Warthog Rhapsody. Never. That never cut of the, <laughs> but I sang well and yeah one of the uh, one of the most rewarding experiences of my life professionally working with Sir Elton John and Tim Rice and uh, working with my friends at Disney and that was a that was an amazing it, it, that was an amazing ride and and it still is we're still on the ride because it continues to kind of you know, grow and resonate with generation after generation. So it's uh, Lion King's a classic. It was yeah, that, a- that was like on my top three. Okay, okay. What's yours? Top three Disney. Top three Disney. Well, of course I'm gonna say Lion King. I would, <laughs> um, but I was like a Dumbo kid. Like I love, I like the old <laughs> Disney. <laughs> So I like Dumbo and like Robin Hood. Those were the, the shits that I grew up watching as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I know that for the Lion King, <clears throat> you could have gotten 2 million flat and instead you took the royalties. So you just have royalties for life off the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart. Did your parents, were your parents like? I, I, I give my mother all the credit for that. That definitely had. <laughs> <laughs> I have anything to do with that. 
Right. <laughs> my mother, uh, shout out to my mother, Kitty Haywood, for people who are familiar with my mother uh, and her track record and her background. My mother has been in the industry for, ooh, I've been in it for 30 plus, so maybe like 45, maybe 50 plus for my mother. Uh, but my mother is a brilliant woman, raised me as a single mother. Uh, but she's always been uh, a very smart businesswoman. Uh, and with her experience that she had in the recording industry, working with people like Curtis Mayfield, the Ohio players, people like that, her and her sisters uh, already having uh, somewhat of a successful career as professional recording artists themselves. Anybody out there that's interested, you can look up my mom and my aunts. They had an album out, two albums. Uh, under the name Kitty and the Haywoods uh, that were released on Capitol and Mercury Records. They, they came up during like the disco era and all that shit. But anyway, my, my mother's always been a very uh, forward-thinking, progressive, strong businesswoman. And so when the initial deal memo or agreement came to my agent and my attorney, they said, oh, this is what Disney's offering. You know, Jason will get a flat fee of X amount. Um, this is usually how it's done. They're kind of presenting a take it or leave it scenario. You know, what do you want to do? So my mother, um, and this was after I recorded, uh, did the demo and everything for I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And it had pretty much been established that Disney wanted to use my voice. So there was some leverage there, you know, to, to negotiate uh, accordingly. And so my mother's thing was, okay, well, you know, if they're willing to give him just $2 million as a flat fee and just to call it a day where he doesn't generate any kind of residual income later on, she was like, I can only imagine what this will generate years from now. So tell them that we appreciate the offer, but Let's negotiate. And these are our terms. And I will give my mother this credit as well prior to her even going back uh, and offering a, a, a counter, if you will, uh, to Disney. She consulted with me first. She asked me what I wanted to do. She educated me as far as uh, what was the smartest way to go based on her experience. So not only was I able to kind of see something like that, you know, firsthand, but I was able to be a part of the decision that was ultimately being made on my behalf, which I can't thank her enough for, because not only did she protect me, but she gave me an opportunity to, to develop my own mind as far as how I wanted to conduct my business moving forward. And so um, with her doing that, um, that laid the foundation of far as how I do business now I don't take any shorts any losses um, that's awesome because like that's what we need to learn and teach like the youth right is like business how to be financially literate like how to sign contracts what to look for like you know what I mean people that are in these industries a lot of people just get fucked because they don't know anything absolutely no and I'm, I'm glad my story and what I was able to share shout out to Vlad TV to shout out to Vlad because that's how that that story kind of broke uh, was that interview that I was having with him, which I, to be honest, I was not 
like down to divulge like that. I don't discuss my deals or like the details of whatever deal that I've put together, but the way that he presented the question and I guess the way the universe constructed or put together that opportunity, what I learned was that it allowed so many more of my younger brothers and sisters to understand uh, like knowing your value as an artist or as a creative and understanding um, how you could properly monetize and create all of these revenue streams if you play it smart as it relates to intellectual property. Um, a lot of black people, young black talent in particular over the years have been taken advantage of by record companies, movie studios and this, that and the other. And it's uh, really just based on the fact that they didn't have the knowledge and they didn't understand the importance of knowing their worth within the marketplace, knowing what they bring to the table. Because uh, a lot of times when these record companies or these studios, when they come to us, you know, the young talent, if you will, it, they're presenting it like, oh, we're giving you an opportunity. We can change your life, which is essentially they can. There's truth in that. But at the same time, we're bringing something to the table, too. You're the talent. There's a reason why you're coming to us. Right. There's a reason why you want to do business with us. So I think what that story was able to successfully do was give the new generation of entrepreneur and performer uh, an idea as to how they should approach, you know, their next deal that comes across their table. And especially now in, in the, uh, you know, the marketplace that we have now where you can create your own your own success within the, the, the digital space without having the puppet master, if you will, overseeing everything. I think you have a lot more kids now who are aware of that and who are approaching their business differently and that's how it should be. So if any way I was able to help enlighten and educate the next generation about that due to that story, um, I'm honored and I'm glad that I was able to do it. 1995. Yes. Of ambition. Yeah. Oh, wow. Debut okay. album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need to know when is the last time you sang? Yeah. A year ago. Oh, my gosh. I was, well, I was in the studio and just experimenting because I come from a musical family. So I'm always in the studio, but. I don't know, music I take really, really personally um, because I grew up in the church and I grew up around musicians and around real singers. So my approach to music is totally different from my approach to acting. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that acting, as far as I'm concerned, is mine. That's the one thing that I have outside of my family that's mine, that I know, you know what I'm saying? Nobody can really tell me anything about that. But with music, I have so many people in my family who are musically and creatively inclined within <clears throat> that space that I tread very carefully within that lane. And it's something that I take very, very personal. So it's not something that I just easily thrust out there to my fans or in the marketplace because I take it so personal. Um, but it's something that- your fans would like to see more of it though? 
I'm sorry. Do you think your fans would like to see more of it? Like, do you have people asking you? Yeah, all the time. But it has to be, (laughs) it has to be done in a way. And that's what I'm trying to figure out now. It just has to be done in a way where it allows me to be authentic and true to my voice and the story that I want to tell. And I don't want it to be ran by overseen by like a whole bunch of suits that think they know how to tell my story when they don't. So I don't necessarily want to deal with a major label like that. But at the same time, I know if I want to go truly independent and be successful, I have to have a a infrastructure firmly set in place that will support that. And that's something that I'm, that I'm currently working on now to try to make happen. But for my fans out there that, you know, that love my work as a singer and as a songwriter and stuff. I appreciate y'all. Man, I'm working on new stuff right now, so we'll see. Question. Yeah. Can we hear, I just can't wait to be king, but like, can you sing it? No. <laughs> no. I I'll sing with you. <laughs> rude, but it's like, I'm 42. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you saw the vocals. <laughs> Yeah, I was 12 when I sang that. And, and although I have a high speaking voice now, I wouldn't be able to even hit those notes, Angela. Don't you even know if you don't ask. Don't even play me like that, Angela. You don't know if you don't ask, okay? No, that's real. I respect the fact that you asked, but no, that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, do you have a son and a daughter or just a son? <clears throat> I have a son. My son is uh, 20. My son is Jalen. Love him to death. Um, he's actually here with me in Chicago now. Uh, I brought him with me because he's now beginning to, you know, make his entryway into adulthood, uh, establishing his own career in the entertainment industry. Uh, he's a very smart young man. And I just thought this would be a perfect opportunity for him to now get to see it, you know, firsthand, you know, what it's really like to get up and go to work every day in this industry. I mean, he's seen it throughout the course of his life, uh, but kind of at a distance because he was a kid. So he just saw daddy going to work. Now he's about to be legal in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that shit, like, but he never has to see like the day-to-day grind and, and what it really is. And so um, him being with me now here in Chicago, he's able to see that and learn that. And I think he's going to, have a successful career as an executive in uh, in the entertainment industry. That's what he's what he's aspiring to become, and I'm doing all that I can to set him up properly in order to be able to accomplish that. Is there anything that you taught him growing up that you didn't learn when you were little that you thought was like important for him to know? Your mom no, amazing. <laughs> No, my my mother, I got to say, honestly, she covered all the bases. Um, I think I think the one thing for me that was important for me as a man and as a black man in particular was just being a part of my son's life. Um, Because unfortunately, I didn't have that growing up. I was raised in a single parent family home. And although my father loved me and I loved him, we didn't have you know, a horrible relationship. We did, I I, I don't even want to put that out there like that, but we weren't, there there wasn't a day-to-day interaction and relationship that he and I had 
while he was alive. And so for me as a father, when my son was born, uh, I think that was one of the main things for me was that I just wanted to be present in his life every day. And for him to know that regardless of whatever, even if me and his mother aren't together and all of that, like for him to know that he's loved and that he's supported and anything that he needs, I'm there. And I think, um, well, I know he's been able to see that. He, he, he knows. He gets it. So I'm very, very proud of him, the man that he has become, the man that he's evolving into becoming. And uh, yeah, fatherhood is great. What do you do for fun when you're not um, acting, singing? Like, what's your go-to, like, activity? Golf. Um, golf? I like to golf, yeah. I like... Um, I like to read. Okay. Uh, and I like to be, this is going to sound so corny, but it's real. I just like to be at peace. I like to be like left alone. And <laughs> 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 we're like, enjoy a day without someone asking me for something or asking me about something or looking to me to do something. Or, or just something where it feels forced. A lot of the times when I have my best moments or relaxing moments is when I'm hitting a ball and there's nobody bothering me. And I got like fucking ESPN. Have you ever been a top golf? You got that in Vegas, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I cannot like, I, I just can't connect it really a lot. Even okay. With- club like I have issues but I try but I'm really like I'll just sit there and drink and like you know chill and whatever but like it looks pretty (laughs) that's what I do I'll go to top golf and I'll rent a bay for like a few hours and I'll order drinks and order appetizers and I'll have ESPN on and I'll just hit balls all day like to me that's a and I know that sounds corny and boring but to me that's a good time because I mean, it's, but it's that's the mental piece because you're right, re- you know, you're resting in your own way. And that's like, you know, love. my time. And like I shut the phone off in the whole nine. And, you know, I'll maybe put some some music in my, my AirPods and I will just shut the world off and do that. That's kind of that's kind of like my piece. And I also meditate as well. I love to to meditate. I'm heavy in a prayer. I'm a spiritual person. Um so those are the things that, you know, give me joy. Gathering with my family. My family is everything to me. So hanging out with my son, you know what I'm saying? Spending time with my mother, being at family gatherings with my family, smiling, laughing, sharing stories, eating great food, drinking insane amounts of wine and fucking whiskey and I, I've just, I've, I've gotten to that point in my life and in my age where the simple things in life are everything. All that other shit, you know, with trying to be seen or trying to keep up with the Joneses and doing this and doing that just for the sake of being out and just for the sake of doing some shit. That's not me at all. I, I enjoy the simple things in life, like a simple conversation, a great meal, an excellent glass, a bottle of wine, um, a good joint, 
to be smoked, like shit like that. You know what I mean? Like to me, that that's everything. And seeing smiles on on people's faces of of those people that you love. You like spreading love with and you know with the people you love too. Yeah, because because that's what it's all about. That that's what life is all about. At the end of the day, it's exchanges of energy and how those energies. You know, I told you I'm learning love with my friends, like, mm. and their you know their families. You know, because it's just like they have so much love, you know, so I've been learning it from them too. That's nice. Good. I love being, I love being around people that are like lights. You know, I find like a lot of people that have really good energies out here. They're just like love life, you know, and I just love life too. So it's like, I want to be around people like that because, you know, I like to be happy. (laughs) Me too. I I I reject black cloud energy. Like, no, like you can't even come near me. Like, I'm like, bitch, what's wrong with you? (laughs) No, I'm the same way. And I feel you. I mean, people that have that kind of energy, they naturally stray away from me anyhow. Cause as soon as they come within like my space, they can feel that that's not welcome. And it doesn't, and it's not anything that I'm purposely doing to make them feel uncomfortable. They'll just feel uncomfortable being around so much positive energy. I mean, like, oh man, this thing is too happy, man. I'm you know, I ain't fucking with me, man. This shit is too, it's too light over here. Like. <laughs> and most of the time, those people leave. Not real shit. I've had that happen in my life where people who naturally are just kind of like that, unfortunately, and who will come around or attempt to come around, they'll just leave after a while. And I have a friend that will tell me, like, oh man, so and so dipped because, you know, they just felt like, you know, it's just too, too happy go lucky over here. And I'm like, oh, well, well, fuck them then. Like, cool. Be out, yeah, like, you know, it's crazy because when I was younger, like I was fucking miserable. So if I saw people that were happy, I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, but now I'm happy so I can and I try to make people happy. So now it's just like I always I was going to ask you that question, too, because like I know a lot of positive people, they get like weird situations because I feel like some people can't handle your energy, you know, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people react differently. And I do have some people that just look at me like I'm crazy or like, I know, and I'm like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I, oh, I, it's great. I woke up like I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> no, I, I get that all the time too, where people misinterpret what that is like, or, or they get it, they get it fucked up. Like they think it's not genuine. Like they feel like if you're positive, the majority of the time, it's not genuine. They feel like that's not a real way to live life, but it really, really is like happiness is a choice that you have to make. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to choose every day to get up and be like, oh, today is going to be a great day. Today, I'm going to will this into my life. Today, I'm going to accomplish this. Like you have to, you have to put forth that energy consciously every day. It's happening, you know? Yeah. Like that's what people lack and, and why they why they think that they're so miserable is because they haven't been able to tap into that yet. But thankfully, um, you know, I did that years ago. I was able to tap into that kind of energy and to understand um, how fulfilling or, or a level of fulfillment that it can bring to your life. And I've been living like that to the best of my ability every day. So I encourage you to continue doing the same thing because it's awesome, man, because whether whether there are people around you or not, 
if you're centered in your truth and happy with who you are and connected with it, whatever it is, then you good. That's what I'm saying. Real shit. Trust whatever, wherever you're at, you're supposed to be. Trust it and start doing some good things for your life. Like you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have a happy life and you can start with doing it yourself. Like it's not a joke. It's not like a trick. There's not like luck. It's like people really that want to change their life will change it, you know? Absolutely. Great year to do it. And the funny part about it is, you know, people, people try to look at it like it's some kind of new age um, thing, but it's, um, you know, if you look in, in any, any kind of literature, that has to deal with spiritualism or whatever. Even when you go to monotheist religions and you break down the books, whether it be the Torah, the Quran, the Bible, any of those, it's all what they try to teach is the power is within you. The power is within you to be happy in your own life and the power is within you to influence people in order to help them find the happiness in their lives. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. And, and it goes back again to what we were, you know, what we kind of touched on earlier, just that exchange of, of, of energy, spiritual energy. Like, man, you have no idea how you can impact someone's life by just speaking a positive word into them on a day. That's what I try to do on social media every day. Like, even if I'm having a, a moment or a difficult day. I still like to put things out there that will allow people to feel something positive because you never know what that little word that you think, oh man, I'm just throwing this out here. I'm, just, I'm feeling a certain kind of way, but I'm just throwing this out here. I've had people immediately respond back to me and be like, yo, man, man, that thing that you posted, man, that helped me get through the day, man. Like, thanks, bro. And that shit means a lot to me. Right. Because Know that I'm using my my gift or my power or my influence in the right way, that I'm using what God gave me in the right way. And it's not just for my own personal gain, but it's also just to help people and uplift people. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I like that now, like I really do like care about people. You know, like I said, I wasn't really like empathetic towards people because I was worried about myself so much. But now that I like help people, I realize like, I like it, you know, it's fun. I like helping people with their lives. And like, I like people getting healthier mentally, physically, like whatever. Like I enjoy people that really want to like actually get it or like learn that education, you know? That's dope. If you don't want to ask me, Angela, what, what is your sign? Sagittarius. Oh, good. <laughs> No, I thought you were about to tell me you were a Leo and I was going to be like, oh my God. What are you? You're July, I'm a, right? I'm a cancer. Okay. So I'm like super You're sensitive. Emotional. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not emotional. <laughs> I'm not emotional. I'm sensitive to energy. Okay. okay. All right. That's <laughs> fuck my energy. I will fuck your day. Okay. <laughs> that's a spiritual dictionary right. <laughs> uh, okay so wait um atl love that yeah. movie how was yes. working with ti awesome and just past did you have a good time i had a great time um really, can skate no. like, like i can't skate for shit no i can skate we all can skate we all can skate um no, working on that film, that was an amazing experience. Um, 
just off the simple fact what it represented for the culture and in particular what it represented for Atlanta culture. Because a lot of people, um, a lot of people aren't familiar with that, that side of, of the black culture, which just like good, wholesome fun like that, like going to the skating rink and kicking it, you know, with people in your neighborhood and shit like that. So what ATL was able to successfully represent was that side or that aspect of black culture that rarely gets seen where nothing is steeped in drama, but it's just steeped in good, wholesome fun about kids coming together and hanging out and building together as a team and skating together. Uh, ATL was able to tell that story uh, and to also uh, expose Atlanta culture on a big stage like that, where they can really see like what Atlanta is all about, where it's not just like booty bass music and strip clubs. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of, there's a lot of good history and there's a lot of pride um, associated with Atlanta black culture. And um, ATL was, was able to do that. Working with TI was amazing. Shout out to Dallas Austin, our executive producer, that concept, um, or the actual storyline of ATL is based on true events that occurred in the early 90s when Dallas Austin first discovered TLC uh, at Jelly Bean Skating Rink. And we're like outcast and we're Jermaine Dupree and the So-So Deaf team and we're Organized Noise, you know, all the pioneers of the Atlanta music scene to help, that helped make Atlanta what it is now when these guys were kids, this is where they used to go and hang out and fellowship with one another and get to know one another. It wasn't at the club. It was at Jelly Bean Skate Marink. Um, and that's where some of the biggest groups that have ever come out of that city where they were first discovered or where they were able to establish their relationships together was at this skating rink. So essentially what ATL is, is the retelling of that story. Um, even with Nunu, I think Nunu's character that um, Lauren London played is loosely based on T-Boz and how she was when she was a young lady. Tion is actually one of the executive producers at ATL. Um, so it, it's just telling that story of, you know, Dallas Austin, TLC, Outkast, So So Deaf, um, Oomp Records, Organized Noise, the real foundation of Atlanta music and culture was represented in ATL. So I'm very, very proud uh, to be associated and to be a part of that film. And I'm glad that so many people like it. Do you have a favorite film? I know you played Michael Jackson. Nah, Angela, to be honest with you, I don't because- They're all so different. They're also different. And then I just look at it like anytime I've been able to work and earn a paycheck for doing something based on a gift that God gave me, like, you know what I mean? Like every day is a good day. Every film is a good you just Even though, I love it. No, I'm just grateful, man. Like, yeah. you know, I don't I don't have a favorite. Every day that I, I have the opportunity to step on set and to work and to work alongside with other actors and actresses or creative people 
who feel just as passionate about their work and what they're doing. Anytime I have an opportunity to do that, that's a blessing. So I don't take it for granted. So what's something that you want to play? Like, is there a role that you want to play in the future that you have not played yet? Nah, because I don't know. I don't know what's in store for me. I can play anything. Okay. I think, I think more, more than anything, what I would like more is to just be challenged more as an actor, to be thrust or placed into a role that really allows me to step outside of my comfort zone and that really, really, really challenges me. Um, that's what I'm waiting on next. Because the roles that I've been playing, like traditionally those are roles or, or people that I've known throughout the course of my life in, in some way, shape or form. So I'm able to kind of connect with those characters and breathe life into them in a way where they're believable and where people get it. You, you know what I'm saying? But I've yet to have a role where I really, really have to step outside of myself. Um, oh, you said we're not gaining no weight, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. Because <laughs> that would be really challenging. <laughs> no, like, I, like what I was telling you yesterday, because I, I love to eat anyhow. So if you are paying me to gain 300 pounds, I will do that. And <laughs> that will have the hardest time working that off. I'll probably spend the, the amount of money that you gave me to gain the 300 to get it get myself back to normal. So now I'm not really into that. I'm just into challenging myself in a way performance wise, where I have to truly step outside of myself um, and become someone else that I don't know or that I've never met. I'm looking for that role at this particular time that allows me to do that. And I'm sure uh, once presented with that challenge or with that opportunity, I'll excel in that as I've been able to, to do throughout the course of my career by the grace of God. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm just, I'm just enjoying the journey. You dig what I'm saying? Hey, that's what I say. Just enjoy the journey. I, I was saying that this year, like 2022, I really want to take each day and make the best out of each day because I feel like we curse our lives saying that this year is going to fly by, like, oh my God, it's going to be whatever before we know it. And it's like, everyone's so embedded to be like in the future and like, they're not even enjoying the present, you know, mm -hmm. my thing with like my shit is I've always just been learning all the time to just be more present with what I'm doing. And that way I feel like I'm fulfilling my life more. Right. Because, you know, like I always say, it's only 27 days into the new year. Like, you know, we got a lot of time. What, what did you do with, you know, the, the first month people, oh, January flew by. Did you do anything this month to, to proactively right. help yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, whatever, you know? Right. That's, that's just, that's how you gotta live life. You gotta start change. Change starts with you and one little thing every day. And then you just start tacking them on. No rush. We're not in a rush. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like what we were, um, talking briefly about yesterday you know when we had a conversation even with you you know taking that leap of faith um to do your podcast um you know that's what it takes in life uh, you know feel happiness or or to feel fulfilled and feel like you're you're walking in your true purpose a lot of 
walking in your true purpose is being uncomfortable. Is push is pushing yourself in a direction that you thought you wouldn't go in or go towards. And that's what essentially allows that kind of uh, awakening, if you will, that that allows you to see, oh man, I can do that. Oh man, I can, you know, put this together. Oh, I can, you know, rise to this level. It, it, it takes those moments of uncertainty and those moments where you feel completely vulnerable um, that you just move forward. And, and, and that's when you, you really get a chance to see who you really are and what you made of. So, yeah, I mean, that, that not only applies to actors or my, my particular journey, but that applies to you as well too, Angela, and everyone else out there, it, you know, as far as your view. Okay, Jason. What'd you say? So I'm a rare breed. Oh yeah, I know. Um, wait, so we have the shy season five filming right now, right? Yes. Okay. And then is there anything you want to give us like a little snippet teaser or anything? I know you're getting a little bit more, but I remember, um, cause I want to see how Tiff and Emmett are doing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You guys, I, I think, uh, you guys will be interested to see where they go this <laughs> next season i won't i won't give away any details but because lena will kill me but um, it's gonna be interesting to see how that all pans out we'll see is there uh, uh, anything else you're working on yes i am also co-producing and working on an animated series alongside with my partner uh joshua leonard uh joshua leonard is a black artist and animator uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia that created this amazing show called Team Supreme based around kids with uh, dis disabilities and special needs whose disabilities and special needs are turned into superpowers via the lead character scientist dad. It's something that, uh, excuse me, it's a, a property that I brought over to Hillman Grab Productions to my sister Lena, Lena Waithe. They accepted it, brought it on. They've been very instrumental in helping us uh, package it, build it up to where it's presentable. We're actually going to be presenting that within the next couple of weeks. We feel very optimistic about it because it's very strong. Um, and and really, what it's what it is, it's 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 a it's a show and it's an IP that is representing an underrepresented or underserved community, which is people with disabilities and special needs. Um, <clears throat> unbeknownst to a lot of people, because I don't, I don't think many of us pay attention to it like that when we're looking at TV on the day-to-day, -day, but people with disabilities and special needs are underrepresented. Um, their, their stories aren't really told that much, and especially from a kid's standpoint. There's not a lot of content out there that allows people who can identify with having a disability or a special need to be able to connect with something or for something to resonate with them that um, is applicable to their everyday life and their everyday story. And so what Team Supreme is essentially looking to do is to provide that narrative or to present a narrative in a story that's true to the everyday lives and experiences that people have with disabilities and special needs. 
but to also educate and enlighten those people who can identify with disabilities and special needs as to what those people go through on the day to day and how we can hopefully meet each other halfway in a sense where, you know, people with dis that, that can identify with disabilities can understand more of where, where people are coming from who can identify with it. Then with people who can identify with it, they can now begin to understand more with people who do or who can identify with disabilities and special needs. So um, one of the, the, the awesome parts about being associated with a company like Hillman Grab Productions and with Lena Waith is that they pride themselves and work pro proactively towards telling those types of stories um, that encourage like inclusion and diversity. And uh, those are the kind of stories that myself as a producer and as an actor that I wanna continue to tell. And so getting this opportunity to work on that show in, in the capacity as a producer, has just been, a, it's been amazing. It's been a learning experience uh, personally as well as professionally. And I hope that when it comes out, um, you know, people will embrace it like how I have. I think it's, it's a beautiful piece of, of art that, um, that will make a significant impact. At least that's what we're forecasting. So it's good. So please be on the lookout for that. Um, season five, of course, for the shy, please be on the lookout for that. What else? I'm producing a couple other things as well in writing, but those things haven't come to full fruition yet. So I don't really want to uh, speak on anything at this point because I don't want to jinx it. But just know you're doing something. Yeah, just know like I'm doing something, and, and and at this point in my life, it's about it's about making a mark. I'm I'm doing this because I love to do it. It's not about being famous, and it's not about. I mean, the money is good, and we definitely want to continue to make that. But that's not the that's not the motivating factor the sole motivating factor, if you will. It's, it's, um, it's contributing um, and trying to make the world a better place through the stories that I'm able to tell and the people that I'm able to bring together in order to be able to tell those stories. And that's just, just where- spreading your, You just want to keep spreading your love. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because when it's all said and done, you know, you can't, you can't take any of that shit with you, like fame and money and all of that. But the one thing that will continue to travel with you, even as you transcend or transition into the next realm of your life, is the impact that you have on people's lives, how you make people feel, how you've been able to change people's lives or impact them in a positive way. That you can carry with you into the next realm. And I just want to be able to take what God has given me and touch people in the right way, like touch people in a way where they, you know, where they feel inspired or empowered uh, or gives them a sense of hope or a sense of encouragement. Um, I think that's the responsibility and to, to, to a degree, the obligation that we as creatives and artists have to bring to the world. That's what we're giving, what we're given that for is to touch people in that way. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to follow follow along in that line and you know hopefully I'll be able to do that when it's all said and done I think you're doing a great job Mr. Weaver well thank you Angela I appreciate <laughs> it. Right. did you have a good time 
I had a great time. You know, I always enjoy talking with you. So I had a great time. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on to your show, to speak to your viewing audience. Everybody out there too, I should tell you, continue to support Angela and what she's doing. Um, you know, she's really using her platform to, you know, not only entertain and all of that, but to educate and to enlighten um, and to bring people closer together and doing it in a way where it doesn't feel like, you know, she's playing on negativity and shit like that. Like whenever I get an opportunity to be on podcasts or shows like this, I, I just want to make sure that I even tell that person's viewing audience who already rocks with them to continue to support them because it's not easy um, to do that kind of content, to provide that kind of content. A lot of stuff when people are doing uh, digital media shows and stuff, the stuff that's click worthy or clickbait, if you will, is more of the negative stuff. And so when you get a chance to interact and to be a part of a show that promotes positivity uh, and celebrating individuals and uplifting others, I'm always an advocate for just raising more awareness about that person and what they're doing and celebrating them. So thank you, Angela, and you guys out there, her viewing audience, continue to support her because she is a fantastic and beautiful woman. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. People don't realize. And now that I do it, I realize like how much effort goes into any type of creative passion that you have, you know, Absolutely. so that's why I like, you know, if you're trying to do it, like you could do it. It's just, it's a grind, but I love it. Yeah. No, you, you keep doing your thing, Angela, because it's, it's cool, man. Like the content is cool. And there are even things that I'm learning as well as I continue to watch your show. And no, I just, uh, I wish you all the best moving forward. And uh, I mean, not only professionally, but personally as well i won't get all deep into that our conversation that we had yesterday but even as far as how you're evolving and growing as a woman um i applaud you for that and salute you and wish nothing but the best for you thank you so much i appreciate it it's going to be a great year for both of us absolutely be climbing it for sure all right y'all until next time peace Cuff up all of this autumn leaf On the east side like a hundred deep I could get you high like a hundred feet Love me for the ink and the gold teeth And you are more beautiful than you think, yeah